right, welcome to episode 163. It's hard to believe we've had that many episodes of the Jesus Famous Podcast. We exist to see Jesus honored, glorified, loved, esteemed, appreciated, adored, revered, and followed Jesus Famous in your everyday life. Uh, If you're new to the podcast, I'm Nate Holdridge, uh, hosting today's show, and I also pastor uh, Calvary Monterey, a church on California's central coast, and our church is about Jesus Famous. I like preaching about Jesus Famous on Sundays, writing about Jesus Famous, podcasting about Jesus Famous during the week at nateholdridge.com. And uh, here on this show, we like to have different interviews, discussions, stories that we think will help you propel further into an appreciation of Jesus. And today's episode is an exciting one because I'm going to have my good friend and co-laborer, mentor, and pastor, Jeff Buck, on the show with me. Uh, We're going to talk about parenting adult children. I, I, I think this is a subject that isn't talked about very often in the church and that many parents of adult children struggle to have a good vision for. And uh, Jeff and his wife, Denise, they have a great relationship with their adult children. Uh, And uh, so I know this conversation is going to be helpful to all of us. Jeff has given me countless words of counsel and encouragement and direction and perspective, including uh, in the realm of parenting over the years. And so I think that you'll be blessed and helped by it. Uh, If you're currently parenting adult children, I want you to prepare yourself to be encouraged and also challenge. You know, sometimes uh, conversations like this, they can challenge a habit or practice or perspective that we've uh, previously held. And I think that we need to be prepared for that challenge and not just immediately uh, reject it. So be prepared for that. Uh, If you're a parent of younger kids, I don't want you to turn this off. I want you to let this episode give you a target to aim at because Your kids are going to be adults someday, so you need to begin thinking about how you're going to parent them in the future because it does inform a little bit, I believe, how you'll parent them today. And uh, if you're an adult child, you know, so you're sitting here thinking, well, I I don't have adult children myself, but I am an adult and uh, my parents are either good or not so good at this. Uh, Perhaps this episode can help you set some proper boundaries to some degree uh, with your own parents. Uh, before I have Jeff come on the show though, just a couple of announcements. Wanted to remind you that you can subscribe to uh, new uh, written posts that I come out with at nateholdridge.com by just going to nateholdridge.com slash subscribe. If you're part of our church and you'd like to get the sermon outline um, sent to your email inbox on Sunday mornings before you come to church, Uh, you can subscribe there. Please don't use it as a way to decide whether you're going to come and actually listen to the sermon be preached or not. I I hope you come whether you like what you read or or you don't. And then also just want to remind you and invite you to uh, rate and review us uh, wherever you get this podcast. It's helpful to us. Uh, But Jeff is uh, a man who's got 50 years of pastoral ministry on his track record. So that means he is 107 years old. No, just kidding. He got started when he was just a very young man, 18 years old. Uh, Jeff, welcome to the Jesus Famous Podcast. I'm so glad to be here. Anytime that we can look to provide 
practical pastoral help to people. And in this subject of parenting adult children, uh, that's one of the big ones. And it's not talked about enough, so I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, it's very obvious that you have a heart for the practical encouragement of people. One thing that people don't know about you is that when you came to Monterey uh, almost 15 years ago to um, come back to the Monterey Peninsula where you grew up as a, as a child, right. but also to help me out uh, as uh, one of the pastors here in the church, you brought with you a, 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 a file cabinet filled with worksheets that, yeah. I mean, you're famous for uh, somebody sitting down in your office saying, I need help with this. I need help with that. I don't know how to forgive, you know, someone in my life, or I don't know how to raise my toddler, or I don't know how to, yeah. you know, lead my marriage. And, you know, you've got words of encouragement right there on the spot, but then you'll pull out a file. I have an outline. And, and you for got that. an outline. Yeah. You hand it to him. How, how did you develop that? Why was, where did that come from? To be honest, I was only 18 years old when I started and I was responsible for teaching five to six Bible studies a week. And so I just had to get better and better at it. Along the line, at some point, I felt the Lord gave me a gift of teaching. And from that point, I could look at a passage and outline it co cogently, and then outlines just simply followed. Mm. It's really impressive to me. I mean, I, I've taught like with every kind of style you can teach yeah. with. I've taught uh, without notes for long periods of time. I've taught with rough skeleton outlines. I've taught with manuscripts. Yeah. I've taught extemporaneously. I've done, you know, taught with a sticky note in my Bible or an yep. index card or something like that. I've tried all the different elements, but. Uh, your style has always impressed me, just the ability you have to look at the word, see the quick line of uh, straight from the text to being able to explain the text and then apply it in people's lives. And I've really loved that. You're a real practical kind of guy. Thank you. So what we're going to do today, Jeff and I talked about this. I come out with an article recently at nateholdrich.com. We'll put the link to it in the show notes, but it's called Four Strategies to Help You Parent Your Adult Children. Now, these aren't strategies that I've come up with on my own, as you'll see at the intro of the article. And what we're going to do is we're just going to, I'm going to read uh, each portion of the article sequentially throughout the podcast today. I'll read point one. And then I'll ask Jeff questions related to it. If I have anything to add, I'll jump in. Then when we're done, I'll read point two, questions, discussion, point three, and point four. So for those of you that aren't uh, readers, you don't really like reading articles online, you're gonna, I'll do the work for you uh, on the <laughs> podcast. And then Jeff uh, will give us his commentary and his thoughts uh, about it. So. Article, again, four strategies to help you parent your adult children. Jeff, you ready to get ready. into it? Okay. I'm ready. So I started out with a couple of quotations from Scripture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7. But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother caring for her own children. Or verse 11, for you know how, like a father with his children. That was Paul's ministry to the Thessalonians. And then the article begins. Christina and I are in a season of preparation, readying ourselves for the inevitable departure into adulthood of all our daughters. 
With our first recently off to college, we have begun more intentionally seeking wisdom from others on how to parent adult children. One dear friend of ours suggested a book with a fascinating uh, subtitle, Doing Life with Your Adult Children, Keep Your Mouth Shut and the Welcome Mat Out. And this is by author Jim Burns. Now, since Christina and I are both natural teachers with no shortage of quote-unquote wisdom to impart, the subtitle grabbed me. Keep my mouth shut. Okay, I've got to read this. Well, I did, and I was abundantly blessed by the contents within. The book was organized by stages leading up to the final years of a parent's life. For each unique, unique stage of a child's adult life, college, early career, dating, possible marriage, financial struggles, floundering, thriving, Jim Burns gave solid, practical, and biblical counsel on how to parent during each season. Near the beginning of the book, he laid out four simple strategies that can help a parent shift into a different style of parenting when their kids shift into adulthood. And they're listed below with some of my thoughts on each. So number one, so here's the first big point, be encouraging but not intrusive. Be encouraging, but not intrusive. In this section, Burns used an example of a mother who told her full-grown vice president of a successful tech firm daughter to put on her coat because of the cold weather. The mom's attitude was, I'm your mother and you need to listen to me. But an intrusive parent will not be welcomed for long by their adult children. If they're to become adults, and if you're to enjoy the experience of an adult-to-adult relationship with them, then you'd better treat them as adults. Refusing to do so will make them unwilling to be around you, knowing that any small interaction might turn into a confrontation about their adult decisions. I one time sat in a circle of men from various age groups, and one father began teasing his adult son about the condition of his vehicle in front of the other men. It might have garnered a few laughs at the moment, but public or private criticisms damage a parent-adult-child relationship. But as encouraging as you can be, uh, be as encouraging as you can during the transition from childhood to adulthood. Try not to compare them and their generation to you and yours. Avoid the trap of dismissing their anxieties and worries out of hand, and remember that advice is often perceived as a veiled criticism. So that's the first point. We want to be encouraging, but not intrusive. Jeff, how important is encouragement to adult children? Wow. When I look at my kids, uh, 44, 41, 35, and 28, the challenges that they face, uh, society not caring much about children, the, uh, the breakdown of families, uh, things being so expensive, they oftentimes need affirmation and encouragement. Hey, mm. you can do this. I know you can do this. I know it's, it's harder today. I know uh, the challenges are great. And then offer any perspective that I have, any wisdom I've got. But affirmation is just as important when they're 44 as when they're four to affirm, to tell them you believe in them, that you know they can do it, you, you never uh, outgrow that need. Hmm. Now, when you say that to them, when you, when you tell them, hey, things are challenging today, uh, things are harder today, do you genuinely believe that? Or, I mean, 
are because I, I, you hear from many, you know, oh, it was harder in in my day. Uh, are there portions of life that are harder today? I mean, is that is that a, a, a really the way that you feel? Well, as a pastor of almost 50 years, when I look back to the condition of people and the conditions in, say, 1979, when I first Mm -hmm. built a building and had kind of normal people there, I can freeze frame it and remember what things were like and the amount of indebtedness and health issues and so on. It seems much harder today than then. Mm. Societal pressure and including the, the absolute prejudice against Christianity in the church. It's hard for yeah. my kids and, and any kids to maintain their faith and their sanity. And I think it is harder personally. Yeah. There's at the very least certain things that a good parent can point out. These are harder for you than they were totally. in, in my day. Totally. I mean, the technology we have is easier. Like you know, I'm sure back when you were a kid, you had to get up to change a channel. Totally. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but along with that come perhaps like speed or a pace of life that uh, oh, yes. is just different than it was in the past. And to kind Absolutely. of just like draw those things out, it just, I can imagine, you know, hearing that from, from your dad, it, it just kind of helps you go, okay, I'm not, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy when I feel like this is hard. This is challenging and this is difficult. Totally. Um, what are some ways for you that um, you've embraced your kids' generation? You know, your, your kids are, you know, you have four uh, daughters, but they're pretty spread out age-wise, so they're actually in a couple of generational uh, buckets. Yeah. But what are some things that you and Denise have done to kind of just embrace like their generation, the fact they're different and who they are? Well, one thing that I uh, do very reluctantly is I text them rather than call them. <laughs> they, they don't seem to appreciate phone calls. And I'm like, I want to talk to you. No, text me first, you know. Um, the, I have one daughter that lives in Santa Cruz and the motto of Santa Cruz is, let's keep Santa Cruz weird. Yeah. And so, you know, I have a daughter that lives in this weird city. And so I have to take, if I'm going to uh, make any observations about Santa Cruz or where she lives, I got to take very gentle stands. Right. There yeah. might be things that she likes. There are things that she likes. She's the artistic one. And she really enjoys all the strangeness. Yeah. And so, you know, to me at age 68... It's a, it's a little foreign to me, although I remember the hippie 60s, so I'm actually kind of well prepared for it. But if you're going to make a stand, make it gentle and respectful. Yeah, and some of those critiques, mm-hmm. uh, some of, sometimes they're not even biblical Correct. critiques. You Correct. Know, it's just a stylistic preference or fashion yeah. or something like well that. Well said. And then sometimes they are biblical critiques, but you have to make a decision. Is this something that is worth taking a stand over right now? Yeah. You know, is this necessary for yeah. me to, to Do talk we about? We want to die on this hill yeah, for exactly. sure. Now putting on your, your pastor counselor hat, Jeff, why do some parents of adult children struggle with being intrusive and critical? Fear and control. What's going to happen to my kids if I don't get in there and prop them up and intrude and, and, and what are they going to do? And, and I just need to 
well, I want to control. And you, do, you know, you control your kids. All you do is produce rebellion and hatred and all of that. It's, um, it's so important, as I heard one author say, to, with your kids, uh, deep roots and big wings. Dig deep with them. Earn the right to be heard. But when it comes to their launching out in the world, let them be independent. Mm. Big wings. My parents did that for me beautifully. They wanted me to be independent. They knew I'd be living other places than they were. And so fear and control is mm. what I see. Mm. And we live in a time, of course, where most kids aren't going to live where their parents live. So That's correct. it's so important to to learn how to let yeah. go. Cause I mean, especially from afar, it's just going to be impossible for yeah. you to control all yeah. the outcomes and decisions you, that they're going to make. You just can't do that. A verse that helped me greatly with, uh, letting kids go. And the first time I, you know, took a kid to college and drove away and left them. I mean, it's so counterintuitive mm-hmm. to do that. You've yeah. just done that. You know, second Timothy one twelve. this beautiful proclamation. I know him whom I have believed and I'm convinced he is able to guard what I entrust to him until that day. Yeah. And so I entrust, he guards. Yeah. I fiddle with it, that messes that equation up. But if I can know the God whom I believe, and I can entrust my kids to them, all four every day in prayer, entrust them to him, he's a big boy, mm. and he'll take care of them, and that brings peace to me. Yeah. Do you think there's anything in um, that temptation to control your children um, and not be encouraging but being intrusive? Do you think there's anything to um, it sometimes not stemming from fear as much as perhaps even stemming from pride at times? You know, what if my child makes the wrong decisions? What if my child begins to flounder? What if my child begins to... Uh, is is not succeeding. What does that say about me and what I've done? I hadn't thought about saying that, but that is so true. And you and I are pastors, so we have this thought of we really want our, our families to be in order and to be a credit uh, to us. But from a distance and at an older age, we just can't control that. Yeah. And so we have to love them unconditionally, stay close to them, don't let them emotionally back away, at least uh, from our part, we stay engaged with them. And they will make choices, every kid, that we don't like and that may bring embarrassment to us. That happened with my parents and uh, one or two of my siblings. And the thing about them is my parents stayed with them, they loved them, Mm -hmm. they stayed close, no matter what shame might have been brought by decisions that my siblings made, and they just stuck with them. Beautiful. What, what do you say to an adult parent who is struggling with that? Maybe it's not a pride thing, but they're just hurt. You know, they're, they're grieving a little bit about the decisions that their adult child has made. What are some ways that you typically encourage people in that situation? I learned from my mom, who was really the prime corrector in my life, that she would correct me about something, and she'd turn right around then a few minutes later and say, hey, let's go have a picnic. Hmm. And she refused to let the relational connection be broken. And that, that's what you have to do, is you have to you know, have whatever discussion you've got to have, and then 
keep talking with them and initiating things and having fun with them. That's, I like the, the book here, Doing Life with Your Adult Children. He talks about that. When your kids repudiate your faith, what do you do? You have to stick right with them. Mm, that's beautiful. Jeff, do you have any other comments or thoughts on this first point, be encouraging but not intrusive, before I move on to the, no, the next think, one? No, I think that's well covered. Super. All right, well, the second one, I'll read it here, is number two, be caring but do not enable dependency. Be caring, but do not enable dependency. Uh, If your child is going to flourish into adulthood, help them transition from being your dependent to being empowered to care for themselves. Just as water seeks the lowest point, humans often seek the easiest path, and your children are no different. If they know that you define love as enabling them to mooch off you forever, it might prove to be an irresistible temptation for them. Burns says we should make it easier for them by expecting them to take full responsibility for their finances, actions, relationships, growth, and development. You must expect a bit of pain during this process because emerging adults cannot possibly make the best decisions at all times. They might sometimes learn the easy way, through instruction and observation, but they will quite often learn the hard way. But if you rescue them whenever they choose poorly, they will have a hard time learning life's valuable uh, or invaluable lessons. So be caring, but do not enable dependency. Uh, Jeff, uh, how how have you gone through this practice of trying to care without enabling dependency? Has that ever been a challenge for you and how have you succeeded when you've done it right? Not much of a challenge because I, borrowing from my parents' uh, lifestyle of raising me to be independent, I did that same thing with my kids. I made it clear that there were certain things I would help them with. I committed to each of them Mm. that at the point uh, they they wanted to buy a house, I wanted to help them Mm. in exactly how I would do it. And making uh, the initiative to target certain areas of their life you want to help them with and then staying out of the others, even if they ask, has kind of been what I've done. Interesting. Give me, give me an example of that, if I can ask, without sure. you, oh, you know, of course. being too intrusive. So just f- kind of fabricating one, I don't want to uh, mention any specifics about my kids uh, because of course. you know how that is. We have yeah. to pay the money. But... Uh, <laughs> There are things I won't bail uh, a, a person out on. You overextend a credit card, say, and this has not happened then, but if you did that, overextend the credit card and all that, I'm not going to help you. You know how to budget money. I showed you how to do it, um, showed you a budget, and so I've just, <laughs> you have to set those limits. Mm-hmm. When people make that crazy mistakes, you know, they buy a car, they let the insurance lapse, they get into, into a collision and they want help repairing it, I probably wouldn't do that. So do you have any tips then? Okay, so, well, let, let me ask you this before I ask you that question. What type of person uh, struggles with this one? You know, because you're saying, well, this hasn't, hasn't actually been hard for me to enable dependency. But what type of person might be tempted to enable dependency? What, what are some of those underlying issues that they have that cause them to want to do that? Well, of course, uh up in what you read earlier about mooching off you forever. If you were that kind of a a kid that your parents bailed you out, you're just going to replicate that 
kind of a thing mm. uh, versus the tough love. It's a, it's a decision every parent has to make. How, how am I going to handle the mistakes that people make? But for me, it's just uh, because I, I really shot for independence from the start. I haven't had much of that. Okay. What are some of the areas that uh, you have to have some of those firm boundaries in and say, you can't be dependent on me for this? You, you're on your own. What are some of the areas? I mean, you mentioned finances. I think that's probably a massive area. I think any uh, anytime a decision is made for a kid to go a direction that they kind of know is iffy, and I see them wandering that direction, I will possibly make a very gentle comment, just praying for you today, and, and making sure that as you're kind of heading this direction, which has a potential of debt, this business you want to start, or uh, has the potential of putting you in contact with a lot of strange people, uh, this bar you want to start, or whatever it would be. Um, I just have to take a, a very gentle, subtle stand and then encourage them. Here's the kind of things, try to make it positive, to watch for the positive mm-hmm. uh, signposts to keep yourself stave, safe. That's good. The more teaching and instruction that you do in a practical way, most kids appreciate it, and mm-hmm. it will come back to them when they find themselves in gray areas. I was speaking recently at a, at a conference, a pastor's conference, and I gave some kind of example during a Q&A about uh, you know, the, the limit to how much I would pay for my daughter's car insurance, and, you know, and then as they get older, you know, then I, they wean off of it, yeah, and you know, all of that. For sure. And uh, I, was, I had this hilarious interaction after that session was over with. I met a young man recently married to this young woman, and then I met her father, and her father in front of the two of them, this newlywed young couple, he said, thank you so much for talking about the car insurance thing because it has been so hard for me to pay for their car insurance and it's time for them to stand on their own two feet. So you're saying you don't pay for your kids' car insurance and cell phone bills when they're adults? Correct. Yeah. That's good. In high school for sure. Yeah. Um, let me ask you then, so do you, do you have any uh, advice or tips on how to navigate the inevitable pains that our kids go through? Because when we're saying this, be, to be caring but not to enable dependency, it doesn't guarantee that success is going to happen at all times. Like I mentioned, they're going to learn by failure quite often. Sometimes they'll learn the easy way, but often like the yeah. rest of us humans, they'll learn the hard way. How do you deal with that you know you're watching your kid just suffer as a result possibly of their own decisions yeah and that will happen with most kids and so often it's a uh, unexpected phone call uh hey dad uh i just got into a crash or uh, hey dad my, my my boyfriend you told me about him he broke up in me or whatever so the important thing is your first reaction needs to be are you okay are you okay? How are you doing? And if you start with the lectures, you know, if you start with a man, I told you so, or they sense the irritation in your voice, they already know perhaps that they made a mistake. 
What they need is that affirmation we talked about earlier, that you are my daughter, I care about you, you're more important than any mistake that you've made, uh, I'm, I'm your, your, your fan. You have, to, you have to lead with that. And many mm. times what will jump into your mind is you wanna jump down their throat. Mm. They don't need that, that you can, you can help them you know, as, as time goes on or the conversation goes on, man, the, but the big thing is connectedness, uh, empathy, connection, and, and don't let anything, you know, mar that, take that away. Hmm. That's good. And your initial reaction is so important. So crucial, right? I, it is so important. Yeah, your when initial you reaction that. opens doors to totally. all the other things that you want to get across yep. later. Yeah. Um, well then, okay, so let's paint a scenario then. What what if, okay, here you you are, you have your adult kids. Yeah. You've set proper boundaries with them, but you have extended family uh, that maybe doesn't share the same convictions uh, that you do. And I'm not, I'm not speaking from personal experience, just hypothetically. How, how do you interact with those members, you know, say, say a grandparent that might be taken advantage of and like, Oh, I just love my grandchild so much. I'll bail them yeah. out. You won't as yeah. the dad, but I will, or an yeah. aunt or an uncle or, you know, friends in their lives. Uh, what do you do? Is, is there anything? Do you, do you meddle there? Do you, do you cast a vision? Do you talk with, with the family members? What would you say? I've never had that experience from grandparents or aunts, uncles, whatever. I think uh, if there was a situation where a, a decision was made, again, this is just a hypothetical by one of my kids, particularly something that maybe I taught or warned them about, I would probably go to that relative and say, please don't do that again. Hmm. I, I'm not angry at you. Uh, don't take the money back or whatever, but um, this is not going to help my child, your relative, learn the lessons they need to learn. Please don't do that again. Yeah, love it. Do you have anything else on the on this one, Jeff? The be caring, but do not enable them. I think just the point that I uh, continue to weave through this, and that is your kids being independent of you is the goal. That's the uh, whole yeah. thing that we're going for yeah. here: is kids that can grow up. I think the thing that helped me uh, is I. I tried hard, and I know you've done the same thing, to help each kid identify what, what is it that you're made for? What is it you're born for? What is it that you're really good at administratively or artistically or whatever? And when you, whether it's through their education, through career testing, you help them grab hold of that thing that lights them up on the inside, they just tend to become more independent because they're following that passion, that dream. Yeah. It's kind of a fun way to help them, you know, get out and stay out on their own. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for that reminder. That's a good word. Yeah. Okay. Number three is invest in your emotional, physical, and spiritual health. So and important. Invest in your emotional, physical, and spiritual health. So I wrote, if you aren't healthy while your children transition to adulthood, you will do unhealthy things to the relationship. So it's important to knuckle down and focus on your walk with God, your own personal growth, and your physical health during this season. This is not to say that you are done thinking about and serving your children once they leave for college, as if now it's time to be all about you. 
It's merely an acknowledgement that imbalanced people will put strange pressure on their children. So we should become balanced, whole, and healthy individuals, and this takes work. Uh, Though their shift into adulthood is beset with many challenges, the shift in your relationship with them is likely much easier for them than it is for you. Think about your own shift into adulthood. Did you struggle at all with the change in your relationship with your parents? Probably not. It was your parents who had to grapple with the change in role. You were simply excited about your newfound freedom and sense of independence. Because this shift is more taxing for you, the parent, it's important that you prioritize healthy activities and relationships during this season. Be willing to acknowledge the challenges attached to loving them enough to let them go. Find resources that will help you gain a healthy perspective during this time, perhaps even the book that I'm referencing in this article, and develop a network of friends and mentors who will reinforce your commitment to allow the relationship to shift, confronting you if need be. And take the time to enjoy your own newfound freedom and independence. You worked hard to get to this point, and though you always want to be there for your children, there's only so much you can do now. Instead, celebrate a little bit and trust God for their success. So, Jeff, I can tell that you have a strong agreement with this point to invest in your own emotional, physical, spiritual health. Why why is this important? Raising kids is exhausting. And then when they leave, you have this sudden silence. (laughs) And and, uh, what, what condition am I in when I reach the empty nest? What, where, how is my marriage? How's my physical health and all that? Because it, it all comes to a screeching halt. And the empty nest is a wonderful thing. It is something that we looked forward to. It was an easy transition. But I think partly it was because we had invested in one another, Denise and I, right. in physical, emotional, spiritual health. And so we were in good shape when we hit that point. If self-care, I mean, is kind of the buzzword. Taking care of yourself. If you're not healthy, it's so hard for you to have healthy input to kids. You're gonna yeah. you're gonna have an edge to your voice because you're tired, or or the bitterness and unforgiveness may be about a certain past thing that they did or didn't do. When I'm healthy, that stuff can roll off me so much easier. Yeah. For me to be in a place of of health. I adopted Luke 2.52 as a standard for my life many years ago when I was probably 18, 19 years old where Jesus increased in wisdom, stature, favor with God, favor with man, that balanced life where I'm growing simultaneously, intellectually, physically, socially, spiritually. When you do that and you embrace a, a balance in your life as difficult as it may be in certain stages, you're, you're just in a much better state uh, to relate properly to kids. Hmm. I kind of think of it like in a relay race where you have the baton about to be passed. For sure. And yeah. the runner who's about to receive the baton needs to already be moving yeah. before the baton yep. Yep. comes. And those early years of childhood raise, you know, raising kids – they're so full, you know, you're given rides everywhere. Uh, it's, it's a draining of your physical 
energy. And then of course in the teenage years, there might still be a lot of that physical energy driving kids around and things like that. You know, they don't like to get their driver's licenses till they're 33 these days, (laughs) but, but there is something about that time where you shift into more emotional energy. You know, it, it, it can of course be emotionally draining when they're in those toddler early child, early uh, elementary years, but it's, it's more complex, you know, during the, the, uh, teenage years. And I look at that as a time where, I mean, I, I would never advise anybody to, Hey, you know, this is going to be so pressing. Just don't even go to church. Don't even have devotional life. Don't even date your spouse. Don't even do those things for these five or six years of their childhood. And then when they're in high school, pick it up. But for a lot of people, that kind of has been the reality that so busy. Parenting is so demanding. The pressures our society puts on parents these days is just off the charts. So, but during those early to late teenage years, I I look at that as a great time for that baton pass to begin happening where you start picking up speed and going, I've got to have a devotional life. Totally. If, if I don't have one and they go off to college, I'm going to die. I'm just going to fall down flat. So getting those habits in place sooner uh, rather Correct. than later. That's survival. It's really important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So for you, you know, as you kind of think about um, investing in your emotional, physical, and spiritual health, what are some of the funky things that adult parents do to their kids when they don't have this? <laughs> they put pressure on them about holidays. Mm. All these expectations will, I mean, just, of course you're going to be here at uh, Christmas or on your birthday or whatever. Um, this may sound strange, but they, they put a, an unhealthy emphasis on church. Are you in church? Are you going to church? Did you Mm. go to church yesterday? What time Mm. was the service? And it was, it was a shocking. What was the sermon about? You better tell me. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know if you caught this name, but in the doing life with your adult children book, he talked about the pain of, of, uh, his, I think it was a daughter was in uh, her last year of college where she said, I had to repudiate, repudiate my parents' faith and then begin to get my own. Mm. Did you read that? Mm-hmm. That just struck me. And I don't like that. I would just like, yeah. you know, for them. You want something to, nice and clean. I want something nice and clean. And it's just often not like that. Or um, putting undue pressure on them about how they're raising their kids. Mm. So, you know, not reaching in there and trying to uh, force them to do things a different way because they're going to have, they're going to adjust the way you raise them for their own life. <laughs> yeah. So it's so easy to take it personally. I Taking imagine, it personally. You know, oh, you're doing it differently. Yeah. Intentionally. Yeah. Because you didn't agree with the way just, I did just it. Just despite me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. But a humble attitude yeah. says, hey, I, I didn't do everything perfectly you're going to be learning and growing just like I was learning and growing at that stage of my life and yeah. still am learning and growing. Yeah. I love that. I think that's a great word for it. The pressure, the pressure that a yeah. parent puts on their child. Yeah. I, I, I get a little cringy when I hear someone say my daughter and I, or my son and I, we are best friends. I hardly ever hear a child say that about their parent. I hear parents say that about their kids. <laughs> Your kid yeah. doesn't really need yeah. that from you. Yeah. They they need someone strong. They need someone to rely on. Mm-hmm. They need someone dependable. They yeah. see they need someone unflappable. Yeah. They need someone who doesn't need them. 
<laughs> you know, but a parent that's unhealthy, it's like, you're my best friend. I need you. Where are you when I need you? Whew, that's a, that's a, that's a role reversal. A role reversal comes, as you said, when I, when I need my kid, uh, I, I'm not complete unless you're, you're my best friend, you know, unless you're doing things the way I want you to do. That's that em emotional, physical, spiritual health. You know, I've got to be a, a parent that's full of the spirit that I spend time with Christ, that I am myself in a, in a calm, healthy, balanced way. And I, I can't need my kids. You will find, especially when they're about a year and a half, two years out of the house, they do begin this really interesting turn around and they begin to uh, become an adult friend. Mm. It's, the, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen with all four of my kids that they were ready to be independent, they were ready to get out. And a year or two out, as they've seen how difficult life is, they'll start calling and saying, guess what I'm doing right now? I'm making the bed just like you taught me. Mm. Or guess what I'm doing right now? I'm painting the wall like you taught me or whatever. But it's a friendship call. It is the, it's the most beautiful thing. Mm. That's, that's what we're heading for is not I don't want my kids to be the best friends, but they, when they start acting like an adult friend, right. adult conversations, yeah. Yeah. things, it is, it's, it's kind of one of the goals that yeah. uh, makes it all worth it. Much more pure kind of relationship than ever before. Yeah. Jeff, what are, what are, um, you know, you've, you've kind of alluded to a handful of uh, practices that would be helpful to people that are trying to be balanced and healthy and, you know, do well, but we've just been kind of throwing them out there, you know, time with the Lord and, you know, dating your wife, but I don't want this to pass by without somebody having the tangible, uh, practices that would be helpful. So what are three or four, um, words of counsel you would give or things that you would say, do this, so in our uh, living room where Denise and I uh, have time in the morning and pray, we've put pictures of all six grandkids across the mantle and intelligently pray and think about each kid every day. What are they doing today? Um, I have uh, one granddaughter that's on a school trip today with her mom. And when I picture what each kid is doing that day and I pray into their life and into their situation it develops an intimacy in my mind and heart for them which is important because they are 3,000 miles away mm. but I think that kind of visual sewing into especially grandkids and you can also do that of course with your your daughters I think that's important having um, regular times that you zoom with them or call them or text them every week it's very obvious with our four kids, There's each one has a, a certain time of the week that they'll initiate a call or they'll accept a call. And so being consistent with that and showing up in a consistent way, I think consistency is one of the things our kids need from us. It's just that we're, that's why they like traditions. Yeah. Now, is that something, the, the, the uh, call that you make or the video chat that you make, is that something that you initiate or that you wait for them to initiate? So I watch my wife in this be the initiator and she simply has determined 
by experience, this really works on a Sunday afternoon for this kid. Uh, th no, this is great. Friday, 11 o'clock, right after their kids are up from naps on the East Coast. You know, all that kind yeah. of stuff. Just by experience. And then usually they'll call us or they'll Zoom us. But if they don't, we try them. Mm -hmm. And it's just um, something that they depend upon and love. And it's, a, it's just another connection. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> stuff like that. I love that. Well, Jeff, the last point in the article is uh, number four. We'll get into it. Number four, have serious fun. Have serious fun. I, yeah, I look forward totally. to talking to this one about this one with you because totally. I think you exemplify it really well. But this final strategy I wrote resonates with me. As my kids age, the relationship shifts. I hope they will always see me as a beacon of wisdom and knowledge, but they will inevitably live with at least slightly different aims than I have. They will not always build their lives the way I've built mine. But Burns said it this way, transitioning to a new role isn't all loss and tears. There is also some serious fun to be had. You can't determine the outcome of your children's lives, so shift your focus to creating fun and enjoyable experiences you can share. When your kids think that you think they are fun to be around, they will feel safer around you. Yeah. This sense of safety will open them up to seeking your wisdom and guidance. And being a family that laughs and enjoys one another is a family that has a necessary ingredient for long-term relational closeness. Burns said, words don't always lead to connection, but enjoyable connections lead to words. Well said. So true. For my part, I have a vision too, especially in my kids' young adult years, provide them with opportunities to vacation and celebrate special occasions with us, knowing that fun times together will be a relational glue that leads to so much more. Uh, so you agree with this one? Ha have serious fun? Oh, my goodness. So I have had to learn a, a lot about that actually from my wife. I have this memory of coming home one day to our Fort Lauderdale house when we lived there. And I walked in the door, and there my wife has strewn baking soda across the floor of our kitchen. And our, I think two of the kids were there, maybe three, and they're in there making snow angels and throwing, throwing baking soda at each other and just having the, the, the biggest tug. And I remember thinking, how smart of her, because we don't get to be in the snow, uh, for mm. creating this kind of a disaster in the house. Doesn't matter how dirty it gets. Where, whenever my kids come out here, my grandkids were here recently, um, some, sometimes the parents are worried about all the sand that they're gonna bring in the house. Who cares? Having a place that kids and grandkids see as fun. Yeah. And then when they came out, you know, we concocted this thing, let's take them to the boardwalk. Let's, let's get them on a Ferris wheel and all this stuff. And they just loved it. Yeah. And it was kind of my initiative to say, how can we just have this fun time with the kids and they bond with us when you're having fun. It's kind of like your spirit's open when you're having fun. Yeah. And so often people have a closed spirit. Yeah. And these good times just open you up. There's something about having, uh, fun with your family yeah. where what's being communicated is I don't feel any need to coach you right now. Yeah. I don't feel any need to change you right now. True. I don't feel any need to give input into your life right now. I just like being here in this room or on yeah. this boat or yeah. on this beach because you're here, yeah. you know, and that that's, 
that really it's it's what sometimes you say in a card yeah in action totally serious fun yeah the beach the ocean wherever it is that you live and if you can utilize the natural beauty there or just dreaming up you know card nights at the house my my kids, when they're all together, they like to play these crazy card games, word games, guessing things games. And it just gets so crazy, and they love it. <laughs> and the minute they get to my house, all right, let's play that game. Let's be crazy. You know, Yeah, that's, that's a good thing. Yeah, and there's something about family, and a healthy family especially, where you, you just will get the laughter going. Totally. And that laughter, it just feels so good. I mm -hmm. mean, I, I'm sure in uh, in your pastoral life i mean it's a pretty serious job that we have as pastors yeah. you confront a lot of sober matters and uh, i'm sure you've had plenty of experiences where you've thought i just need a good laugh right now and all the time to be there with your family i mean yeah. you can just have some some yeah. great times yeah and do you do you agree with his statement that um fun leads to words not words leading to fun absolutely yeah. how have you seen that to be the case well you know fun opens your heart opens your spirit and then if there are any serious conversations that need to happen they happen after that it's the craziest mm -hmm. thing and somebody on the way back from the boardwalk may drop a drop a you know i'm just been thinking a lot about this situation and i know this is a happy day but it's just, it yeah. just, it, the serious things so often uh, happen on a by-the-by comment right. that a kid makes that you hear, you hear within the words a concern. But when their spirits and hearts are open and they've had fun, that, in, that begins conversations. Yeah, that's, that's great. It's, uh, it's kind of like when they're little kids, you know, and they're, having a rough day or whatever and you just you tickle them for a little bit yeah. and then they they get all soft and they totally. just want to be with you on the couch it's like a like a grown-up version it's like that of that yeah oh beautiful. totally it, it to me it kind of strikes me as you know as much as we you know earlier we talked about you know you don't want to prop them up uh, you, they need to kind of stand on their own two feet you can't bail them out you know financially and stuff like that they need to learn their lessons uh, but this is kind of one of those things that a parent can do where, you know, if, if you have the means, you're a little older in life, your yeah. earning powers bigger and stronger, you know, or whatever, yeah. it can kind of be a good time where you say, you know what, these, these young kids of mine, newly married, they have no extra income whatsoever. Right. Yeah. They don't need a nice vacation. Uh, and if I didn't provide something for them, they would do without. They're going to survive. This isn't yeah. me propping them up. Correct. But I'll offer, you know, hey, you want to come to the beach house with us? You know, here's the dates we're there. Anytime you want to be there. It's kind of a neat way for parents to support their kids without propping their kids up. You, you stated it perfectly. Yeah. Well, Jeff, do you have any other uh, exhortations today, you know, to parents? I mean, we've got... A lot of parents in our church and a lot of people that would listen to this podcast who aren't part of our church, who are parents of adult children, it's filled with all kinds of emotions, you know, sorrow, happiness, and, um, you know, I think probably even comparison uh, challenges that happen where, you, oh, I know this friend of mine, like they just have a great relationship with their kids and yeah. mine isn't as strong. 
What are some words of exhortation you'd have for us today? Please remember that being a kid is hard. Being young is hard. I I remember in my 20s trying to get uh, house loans, car loans, respect in the community. It was just so hard. Hmm. Being young is hard. Please have compassion on your kids. What they're doing, how they're walking, their uh, exertions in life, it's hard. Hmm. Show your kids respect. I appreciate what you're doing. I'm really grateful what you're doing with your two-year-old. Everyone responds to respect. I think with four daughters, Elizabeth, Carolyn, Lauren, and Meredith, they're all so different. Hmm. And so as I've studied each one and seen how they're special and unique and different and that I can admire and comment on in positive ways, each one according to their strengths, it, uh, I would exhort parents to enjoy your kids. Mm. Enjoy how they're wound. You'll have one that may be very, very uh, extroverted, one that's very much hidden, the middle child like I was. But to enjoy them as they are, to watch them when they're together, and see how they relate to each other. And at the same time, when you have times alone with them, that's that affirmation, that respect. Our kids know if we enjoy them. Our kids know if we're into them, that we're following their life with uh, joy and happiness and not being intrusive. Yeah. That... That adult relationship, as I've been saying, is so precious. Mm. And I think it can get just better and better and better as we age. And now here I am um, at 68, had a big health crisis with Denise early in the year. And my four adult kids showed up and they took care of us. And we got through a, a, a life crisis with Denise. And that's when I saw, man, our kids were bonded with them. They're bonded with each other. I don't know how we fell into this because I don't feel like the finest parent on the planet, but man, I'm glad that we've got something going. I love that. I love that. My closing exhortation would be twofold. One is just I would encourage adult parents of adult children to never stop pursuing your kids. It, It might be that every door has been closed and you have to pursue them in prayer or you're bringing them to the throne of grace, but pursue your kids. Call them, let them know that you are interested in knowing them and being part of their lives. And, And my second kind of tangent from that is, and receive God's grace in the process. There's just a lot about parenting that can make all of us feel that we have fallen short. Absolutely. Um, You know, there's none of us are able to do it perfectly. We're not flawless representations of, of Jesus and our kids have a front row seat to who we are and our own sins and our flesh. It is, it gets in the way often of the way that we parent and you've got to receive God's grace and mercy and love for you. Ask for his cleansing and ask that he would override that. And despite your imperfections and sins and inefficiencies, that God would use it together for good somehow in the life 
of your children. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, all right, Jeff, as we wrap it up, do you have a book that you would like to recommend to the people or parents that are out there? As we've been going through the doing life with your adult children, Jim Burns, I recommend that. Mm-hmm. I also recommend Parenting Your Adult Child by Dr. Gary Chapman, a really good book. Uh, Parenting Your Adult Child with this, this very similar to the style of uh, Jim Burns, uh, the practical ways to his subtitle is helping your child fulfill uh, the, the purpose for their life, that kind yeah, of thing. That's yeah. great. That's great. Thank you. We'll put that. Uh, those titles and that link in the show notes for all of you. The one that I would recommend relates to the point that we made about investing in your emotional, physical, and spiritual health. And it's a book by John Ortberg called Soul Keeping. Mm. Uh, John Ortberg was personally mentored by Dallas Willard, if you know that name. And so he takes a lot of Dallas Willard's lessons on the soul and unpacks them. And uh, he basically, the premise is that the soul is like a fountainhead of a stream that supplies a town. And if the stream is untended, the fountainhead is untended, everything downstream is dirty and polluted. So we have to tend to our souls. And uh, the book is intended to show us how to do that. I thought it was a great read. And for those of you that are saying, I need to, I need to tend to my soul, I need to invest in my Uh, especially my spiritual health it's affecting everything might be a a great place for you to to start of course in addition to getting into the bible and just you know cultivating that personal life with the lord uh, on your own well jeff thanks so much for joining us today really appreciate it can't wait to have you back on the show to talk about something else and thanks to all of you for uh, listening today god bless you and we'll talk to you next time